it's just amazing how many people have agendas out here. There's so many, so many people in America in this country have so many hidden agendas that they. I mean, like we we rant about we go on a rant, go on a Twitter rant, we go on an Instagram rant for certain things, and then you know things that somewhat should matter. You know, we you know we just pass right on by. We just pass right on by. But uh, we're not gonna let that stop us. That shouldn't stop college football. I'm going to talk about that. We're back. Welcome back to another episode, everybody. I'm back. We're back. Hope you guys are ready. Hope you guys are ready for episode 144 of the IKP, the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Let's start it up. Let's start it up. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Up. Turn me up, turn me up. Okay, we're good, we're good. How's everybody doing? Let's get into it, let's get into it. I'm gonna let the beat rock for a little bit. To it a little bit. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast, episode 144. Episode 144. We are going through the 140s really quickly. Uh, so I just, you know, welcome back. I'm your host, Isaiah Kid. I'm your humbled and highly favored host, Isaiah Kid. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the IKP. The IKP. We're back in business. Um, so as you guys already know, or if you don't know, um, college football is in jeopardy. I, I've been I've been really adamant about the SEC and how I think the SEC is going to power their way through, um, and they're going to probably have a college football season. Um, I, you know, I'm kind of on the fence with that now. I think I think the SEC is going to make a strong push to play. But with all of these other conferences opting out and not wanting or not wanting to play, or it seems very unlikely that they will play, uh, you know, the SEC is going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But I want to I want to address two things when it comes to college football uh, and the college athlete. Now, <laughs> and you would think with a, with a with a multi-billion-dollar industry or company, you would think they would have some type of president or CEO. And throughout these last few months, uh, with COVID, with the social issues, with everything going on in the world, leadership matters. That is what I that I mean. It's not what I have learned because I've always been um, really adamant on leadership and good leadership. Uh, and we often talk about this. We often talk about that on this platform, on this podcast, is leadership. And we talk about it as far as coaching and building teams. But throughout the country, in certain states, and like I said, throughout this country, in certain states, in certain counties, in certain cities, we have seen a lack of leadership or we have seen really good leaders um, rise to the occasion and take their rightful positions. So leadership is really key. <laughs> um, leadership is really key at this moment too, um, as we're in a health crisis, when a when a when a pandemic. So it's really key. It's no small thing. It's no fly by night. How I'm just trying to figure out. College football generates all of this money on a yearly basis. I don't even want to get into like. I don't, I don't even want to get into ticket sales and how much, like, the big-time schools like Ohio State and Alabama make. No, 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 no. Let's just talk about TV revenue. College football makes too much revenue off of TV not to have a president, not to have a CEO. They make too much money off of it. College football generates too much money off of these players, off of, off of all these bowl games, and the student-athlete, and the students. <laughs> like, they generate too much money on any given Saturday not to have a leader. So we have a bunch of conferences, 
And I don't find it, I don't find it, um, let's just put it like this. I don't find it interesting or coincidental that the Ivy League, they came out and said, we're not playing. I don't find it now coincidental that the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are coming out and saying, uh, you know what, we're not going to play. And I don't find it, you know, coincidental that the MEAC came out and said, hey, we're not going to play. Specifically with the big, with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. The Pac-12 and the Big Ten, those public, those public colleges are like, they're, they're like public Ivies. Michigan, Wisconsin, Michigan, Wisconsin, Penn State, UCLA, Cal, those are like, those, Stanford, those are like, Public Ivies. So I don't find it, I don't find it, you know, I don't find it conspicuous that they came out and said, hey. Oh, I don't find it strange that they say they came out and said, hey, we're not going to play this year. We're, we're opting out of the college football season, or it's likely that they do opt out of the college football season. But I want to go back to college football. We have all these conferences coming out and saying, hey, we're not playing, we're not going to do this, we're not going to do that. We have conferences fighting over bowl games. And I'm like, this is the problem with college football. This is absolutely the problem with college football. There's no proper guidance. There's no proper structure. There's no proper leadership. Because <laughs> they have no leader. It's just a bunch of conferences and a bunch of school presidents and athletic directors that are just making up these decisions. And now with the covid uh, it, with the with COVID nineteen, there's a lot. There's lawyers involved because there could be possible lawsuits. So it's just a bunch of high profile people at individual schools at individual conferences. But there's nobody that oversees everybody, and I think that's a problem. I think that's why you see the dysfunction within college football so much. You see it so often because they have no leader. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you be dysfunctional if you didn't have a leader? Like, like if you didn't have a principal at a school, it would just, just be a lot of just dysfunction. It would just be teachers teaching. It's no structure. No structure. No proper guidance. And I think that's what college football is missing. But I want to get to why I think college athletes are much safer after a college campus. I want to get into that. I want to I get into that now. So let's go to that. Ohio State parents came out and said, players need to play. Jim Harbaugh at Michigan came out and said, players are much safer here at Michigan. And there's no need to go back home. Nick Saban said the same thing. Players are much safer here at Alabama. They shouldn't go back home. And I agree. With the student athlete. So, you, okay, and here he goes, he goes the backwards thing. Here goes where people like the... Here's why I'm probably gonna get some pushback. So you're telling me 13 Big Ten schools are allowing regular students <laughs> to come to campus. They're allowing 13 Big 13 Big Ten schools. I, I'm not sure. I forgot how many uh, how many Big Ten schools there are, but 13 is, a, is most of them. 13 Big Ten schools are allowing students to come to their campus. Why can't student athletes play football? Like, the like the chemistry major, whoever, whatever student is studying chemistry or so forth or studying anything, they're much more at risk to catch COVID. But student athletes can't play football. Okay, so student athletes, they are required. They're gonna like I, I, they're required to wear masks. They're required to social distance. Not only that. Nick Saban said this, student athletes at Alabama in the Alabama program can get tested daily. They can get, they can get tested every single day, seven days a week. Alabama players can get tested seven days a week, every single day. Um, the regular chemistry major can't. Also, these schools, I, look, I looked it up, I searched it up. These things are not hard to find. These schools have structures 
and protocols in place. As I mentioned, they're going to require they're going to be required to wear masks. They're going to be required to social distance. If not, and they catch COVID, that means that screws up the whole that 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 can possibly screw up the whole entire team. Because if one player decides to like just, you know, break the rule and like, hey, do whatever they want, that is putting the other players and the rest of the team in jeopardy. So there's protocols and structures that the players will have to follow. Also, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, like Michigan, UCLA, all these big time notable colleges, they have prof- they have they have they have medical professionals. They have medical professionals. Something that not every student athlete would be privy to back at home. If you're in a bubble, and, and, and check this out, everybody likes to get on the Major League Baseball. Like, I mean, Major League, I mean, remember a couple weeks ago, the Marlins, that whole COVID break, breakout, and everybody was like, MLB, MLB baseball is in trouble. MLB baseball is in trouble. Out of 13,000 tests in MLB baseball, Guess what the guess what the positive rate is? 0.1%. Out of the 13,000 tests in in Major League Baseball, the positive rate is 0.1. positive rate. So if you're in a bubble, the NBA is doing a fantastic job. They haven't had a positive test since July the 20th. The NBA is doing a fantastic job. If you're if players are in a bubble or in a semi-bubble, which college with which the college atmosphere provides, what the college with these schools provide. Because they're, I mean, they're practically the student athlete is practically in a semi-bubble. Not in a bubble like the NBA players, but they're in a semi-bubble. They have to follow protocols. They're social distancing. They have athletic facilities. They're getting tested on a daily basis. What's the problem? What's the problem? Guess what the death rate is if players do catch COVID? Because, you know, if if you're going to push back on this fact right here, I mean, you obviously have an agenda. Athletes either at the college level or the professional level, have a significantly lower chance at getting COVID than a regular student. If you're a regular student and you're going to school for, um, you're, you're majoring in political science, the student athlete is significant. The chances of them getting COVID are significantly lower than that kid is going that then that kid that's going to American University to study public science. Simple as that. Simple as that. But also, if a player does catch COVID, huh, the death rate is a whopping 0%. If a player does catch COVID, player does slip up, catch COVID, the death rate is a whopping 0%. Jim Harbaugh mentioned this out and came out and said this. The Michigan football program has 11 positive tests out of 900 results. 11 positive tests out of 900. Out of 900 tests, Michigan has 11 positive tests. 11 positive tests out of 900. Two of those individuals came to Michigan with COVID already. Out of the last 417 tests, there's only two positive tests. Only two positive tests. And get this. If you just don't believe me, and you just, you, you're going to push back on facts. Out of the last 353 tests, zero positive tests for Michigan football. Zero. Nick Saban also came out and said, hey, the players are much safer at Alabama under our practice facilities, under our semi-bubble, quote-unquote, I'm paraphrasing, because that's what it is. It's a semi-bubble. If you push these, if, if, you, if you allow these student-athletes to go back home, 
A lot of these student athletes don't come from big homes. Do they have enough? Do they have enough space? A lot of these student athletes are living with multiple generations. Studies and tests and statistics show that's not really a good sign. And also, do you really think a 19-year-old, a 20-year-old, a 21-year-old is really like if they're not if they don't have no structure, no guidance, do you really think a 19 and 20-year-old is going to follow the social distancing guidelines? Do you really think that? So that's all what you're doing if you don't have college football. You send these you send these you send these kids back home. You can you can have a nice you can you can have a nice size house, but do you have enough space? Do you have enough space? Do these do these student athletes have enough space? And student athletes they live with multiple they they live with multiple generations. Studies, statistics, numbers show it's not really a good sign. It's not really a good sign. That's why we should have college football. That's why. Now, I mentioned earlier, college football, they lack leadership. So this is it, it, so it it does feel a bit rushed. Conferences are um they're getting a little bit of they're getting a little bit of anxiety because this these decisions feel rushed. And there's a lot of there's a lot of things that come with with, with making a decision either one side or the other. Whatever side, if there's no college football or if there is college football, there's a lot of um there's a lot of consequences if, if this goes if this happens, this could like there's a lot going into these decisions. So it may seem a little bit rushed. It kinda does. And I'm not the I'm not even the one making making the decision. But it kinda does feel rushed. And I think if college football had the if they, if they spent a couple million dollars and they hired a leader or somebody, a group of people, uh, see like something, something. Because in, in in drastic measures like this, you need leadership. You need leadership. And I think I look at the NBA. I look at Adam Silver. I look at the NBA bubble. I see the success of it. <laughs> it works. It works. It it work. It, it, it's different. It's it's abnormal. It's not ideal to everybody, but it works. It's it, it it's work. The NBA, they have been through a tough year. COVID-19, the passing of Kobe Bryant and David Stern, China pulling out of a 2 billion dollar deal. The along with the social issues. The NBA the NBA has had a rough year. But Adam Silver, I must say, Throughout these last few months, he has done a damn good job. And with the NBA bubble being such a success, it shows the NBA has a good leader. They have a good commissioner. And I think that's what college football is, that's what college football is missing. And you have, you know, you have these players coming out, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. You know, they're, they're saying we want to play, we want to play. It seems a little too late, too little. Too little, too late. It seems, it seems like that. Um, because college football, they're now they're now recognizing and waking up and like, oh my god, oh shoot, uh, the college football season is like right around the corner, and they have to hurry up and make a decision. And you got lawyers involved, you got these presidents involved, you got these school presidents involved, you have uh, athletic directors involved. So <laughs> it's a lot of moving parts, and it's no person that's over, it's nobody or a group of people. It doesn't have to be an individual; it could be a group of people, but there's nobody overseeing this process. It's nobody overseeing this process and guiding and help, you know, some, some type of structure. It's, it's nobody. It, it's, it, they have nobody that's, that's guiding them in the right direction. So if student athletes go home, you know, do you trust 19 and 20 year olds to, to social distance? I mean, but I, I, I just find it crazy that. Airports are full to capacity. Nobody's talking about that. <laughs> Beaches are being used. Beaches are open. People are going in and out of the beach every weekend. Nobody's talking about that. And, you know, 13 Big Ten schools, 13 Big Ten schools are allowing, they are allowing regular students to come back on campus. 
Nobody's outraged about that. But I see a, a whole, I see a lot of Twitter rants. I see a lot of Instagram rants about college football and it being a season, which I I think that I think they should play. Um, I hope they play. I'm I'm doubtful that they will come up with a solution and they will play. I'm just doubtful of that. I'm really doubtful of that. But Jim Harbaugh, I, I'm you know I, you just this this research it, just search it up, um because that's what I did. I searched up some numbers. I searched up some schools: Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, Florida. I searched up these schools and uh they 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 are, obviously they have the represent athletic facilities. They have medical professionals on site. Um and it's not just one like no, they have a multitude of medical professionals. Jim Harbaugh came out with his statement today. I mean, yesterday, uh Nick Saban, he spoke out. He 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 was absolutely right. So I I mean, I think college athletes under the under supervision with medical professionals, uh, they have they have to follow protocols and structures. Uh, you have these athletic facilities that you put that you 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 dump all this money into athletic facilities, but the players, the, the student athletes now could use them, and they're getting tested. They can get tested on a daily basis. The person at the grocery store can't. The, the the clerk at the grocery st- at the grocery store that's that's checking you out they're not getting tested on a daily basis these college football students these student athletes can get tested on a daily basis if they wanted to but it's a protocol most of these universities have student athletes got to get tested on a daily got to get tested on a daily so I, I mean i'm i'm pushing for college football i doubt it happens uh, I'm crossing my fingers and keeping my fingers crossed with the SEC because I know in, in, in down south it matters. Football matters down there. I think that's their slogan. It matters. I think that's the slogan. It matters. So you know I, I'm I'm keeping my fingers crossed with the SEC, but I don't find it awfully strange that these Pac-12 and now the Big Ten, um, out of the Power Five conferences, out of the Power Five conferences. They have public IVs. So I don't find it strange that they're the first two conferences to come out and say, hey, we're not going to do this thing. We're going to opt out. But Nebraska came out and said, even if the Big Ten cancels their season, they're still going to play football. So we'll see. But um, let's move on to the NBA bubble. I got some, thing, I got some, I got some key things I want to talk about the NBA bubble. So before I get into my takeaways from the NBA bubble, I want to just put some final touches on my college football take. Now, if you disagree and you think the college football season should be canceled, fine by me. I would just like to hear some of, I would just like to hear a statement behind that or like what makes you say that? What makes you think that? Obviously. Now, I I don't want to diminish COVID-19. I don't want to make it seem like COVID-19 is not serious because it is a, a very serious thing. And like I mentioned last week and joked about last week, um, you have so many people trying to be doctors. You have so many people trying to be epidemiologists. Uh, I have no interest in that. But I just found it interesting that we have 13 Big Ten schools that are, uh, that are allowing non-athlete students to come back on campus and to stay on campus. But... The student athlete, the college football student, the college football players can't, or the false student athlete, regardless. Not you know, but we're talking about college football here because college football is big; it brings in a lot of revenue. But the, the college athlete, the student athlete, has a has a significantly lower chance at catching COVID. They have all they. I mean, they have all, they have all the necessary tools surrounding them, athletic facility. Um, medical professionals testing on a daily basis, and I think we like to nitpick and we pick and choose what we want to rant about as a country. I think certain, I think there's certain people that pick and choose what we want to rant about because I think just the non, just the traditional student, non-athlete that's going back to college. They're they're more at risk at catching COVID than the actual student athlete. They're not getting tested. The your your regular uh, um, political science major, he's the, he or she is not getting tested on a daily basis 
like a student athlete. They don't have these net. They don't have these million dollar athletic facilities that they go to like these student athletes. They don't have to follow these protocols and structures and procedures like these student athletes. And I, 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 so I think that's where my point, you know, obviously that's where my point comes into. But college football, you got to admit, college football has not done a great job with, with this whole COVID situation. But that's because they don't have a leader. And you kind of find it, it's kind of crazy that a, a business, a corporation that, that, I mean, that rakes in so much money on a yearly basis. We're talking, we're talking like billions of dollars. They don't have a president. They don't have nobody that oversees things. It's kind of foolish if you think about it. It's kind of it's kind of foolish and dumb. But let's get into my NBA my 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 takeaways from the NBA bubble. Now, my first takeaway is the Clippers really don't care about the regular season. Uh, I've seen them lose. To, I see them lose to Brooklyn. I've seen them lose to Phoenix. I've seen Kawhi not play one night due to rest. I seen Paul George not play one night due to rest. Uh, Lou Williams had his little strip club and wing incident. Let him live. Uh, Montrose Harold, he is reportedly he is joining back into the bubble, into the frame with the Clippers. But it's kind of on brand for the Clippers this year because they've they've had they've had like they've had what twenty nine different lineups going into the bubble. They had twenty nine different starting lineups. Players in and out of the lineup. Paul George, he you know he he didn't start the season off. So there's just so many moving pieces with the Clippers. But I think once they get everybody back on one accord, I think they're the most complete team. I think they had the best team. I think they had the deepest team. But we'll see what that gets them. My next takeaway is the Lakers. Uh, I pointed out these red flags about the Lakers. Now I must say, last night they had a great offensively. Offensively, it was their best offensive performance so far in the bubble. Uh, LeBron had a great night. Anthony Davis had a great night. Kyle Kuzma had a great night, obviously. But defensively, whoo, defensively, they can't stop the three. Um, Denver's second and third unit was like, was was in the game. Denver's second and third unit still could have won that game last night. Like, that was a winnable game. For Denver's bench players in third unit, um, the Lakers still, even after last night's game and even after last night, good, you know, they're good off their best offensive performance. They're still dead last in field goals and uh, in field goal percentage. They're still dead last, dead last in three point makes and three point percentage. They're dead last in offensive uh, efficiency and rating. They're they're second to last in assists. So they're offensively, there's still there's still some red flags, and defensively, there's still some red flags. My next takeaway is the Portland Trailblazers. The Portland Trailblazers are the most dangerous AFC team I've probably seen in my life. They're the most dangerous AFC team I've seen in my entire life, probably in league history. The most dangerous. They're the most dangerous. I mean, first they have Damian Leonard. Let's just start right there. Damian Leonard is the best pair shooter. He's the best per shooter in the bubble. He has the longest range in the bubble. Certain nights, he looked like the best player in the bubble. He's leading the Blazers with Carmelo and CJ, CJ McCollum. Uh, boy, oh boy, Gary Trent Jr. with Nurkic. Gary Trent Jr., I, I told you guys last week, every time that kid shoots the ball, Gary Trent Jr., it looks, tough. It, it looks good every time he shoots it. Every time he shoots it, he looks so confident. He has a great stroke. He leads it up there. He don't care. Every time he shoots it, it looks like it goes in. Um, CJ McCollum in that backcourt, they, they, they very well may have the best backcourt in the bubble. I think James Harden and Russell Westbrook will have to say something about that. But Damian Leonard and CJ McCollum, damn, they are good. Then Carmelo, he fits into his role. Carmelo is a wing scorer. That's what the Portland, that's what the Blazers want him to do. They want him to score on the wing, um, and he fits into that role perfectly. And then, like I said, Nurkic is a walking nineteen and eleven points. I mean, eleven rebounds, nineteen and eleven. Uh, Nurkic, Nurkic might be the one. He might be 
one of the most underrated underrated players in the league. I, I'm telling you, Nurkic might be one of the more one of the more underrated players in the league. He is really good. He's bona fide good. My next takeaway is this: the Eastern Conference is a three team race. I look at Portland. I mean, I, I mean Portland. Damn. I look at Toronto. I look at Milwaukee. I look at Boston. Those are the best three teams, and I think there's somewhat of a gap between those three teams and the rest of the playoff teams. Now, I do like the Miami Heat. I like what they have. I like what they have. I like their young pieces, but I think they're relying on too many young guys. And I saw that, and I pointed that out. I pointed that out on the previous episode. Um, I, I see it. I saw it last the what last week against the Milwaukee Bucks. They're 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 relying on a lot of young guys to come up in big spots. And when I look at those other three teams that I think are the best three teams in the Eastern Conference, when I'm talking about Milwaukee, Toronto, and Boston, those those teams are more playoff savvy. They're deep. They have playoff experience. Um, and I think that's what the Heat is lacking. But I like the Heat team. But the Eastern Conference, I think it's a three-team race. Whoever wins the Eastern Conference, I think it's going to be between those three teams. Boston, Toronto, and Milwaukee. Those are, the, I think those are the three-headed monsters in the Eastern Conference, a three-team race. Um, so, the NBA fined Draymond Green. Uh, they they fined him $50,000. For tampering and, you know, say what he said about Devin Booker. Now, the NBA, the, the one thing I, I, I never really understood with the NBA is this whole situation when it comes to tampering. When it comes to tampering, um, they, the NBA don't, the, the NBA typically doesn't like this. And first, with this with this particular situation with Draymond Green, he was asked a question, and he answered it. And when he answered it, he didn't say, "Oh, Devin Booker, come to Golden State." Matter of fact, I'll do something better. I'll let you guys hear the clip. Here goes the clip. I played. It's great to see Book playing well and Phoenix playing well, but get my man out of Phoenix. It's not good for him. It's not good for his career. Sorry, Chuck, but uh, wow. they got to get Book out of Phoenix. I need my man to go somewhere where he can play great basketball all the time and win because he's that type of player. Are you tampering? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you saw it there. Um, I, 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 I'm not going to say, I, I mean, Phoenix, they have, I mean, Phoenix is hot. Phoenix is one of the hottest teams in the bubble. But with Dray with those comments, Draymond didn't say, oh, yeah, Devin Booker, yeah. He needs to come to Golden State. Get out of Phoenix and come to Golden State. No, 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 no. He just said, Devin Booker, he needs to get out of Phoenix, go to a winning situation so he can play great basketball because he's a great basketball player. And he was asked the question. He was, I mean, he was, I think, I think it's a bit unfair that they find him. Um, but I, I, the, I heard, I think the fines, I think all the monies, they go to charity and so forth. But... I want to attack the bigger issue. And it's this narrative. And this is why the NBA doesn't... This is why the NBA is so strict and so hard when it comes to this tampering, quote-unquote. When it comes to tampering, they're so strict and so hard because of this false narrative that um, I don't know where... I don't know where it came from. I, I, I don't know. But it's this false narrative that you can't win in small markets. And in the NBA, that is just completely not true. The San Antonio Spurs had a 20-year dynasty where they won five championships. Look at the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're not a great roster now, but with LeBron James, they were, for what, the first seven years of LeBron's career, they were interesting. He came back for four more. They won a title, and they were... They were dominant in the Eastern Conference. Um, you look at Milwaukee. Milwaukee's the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. They have, the, they have, they have, I mean, some of you guys think they have the MVP. Milwaukee, Milwaukee, the, the Milwaukee's winning 60 games on a yearly basis. You, 
BS. That's BS that you can't win in the in the, in a small market. That does not like that, that. I don't know where that false narrative came from, but you like I I I'm, oh my god I I do not understand it. Where did that narrative Where did that narrative come from? You can't win in small markets in the NBA. Toronto, they won the, the, the Raptors won the they won the title last year, and they've been a playoff caliber team for the last five years. OKC, they have been really good. Like the Thunder this year. Nobody thought the Thunder were going to be a good team this year. Everybody thought the Thunder were going to be a lottery team. The Thunder are a top six team in the playoffs in the Western Conference. Not in the East, no. In the Western Conference. The Portland Trailblazers got to the Western Conference Finals last year. The Denver Nuggets continue to have a really good team on a yearly basis. The Utah Jazz, they are a playoff team. I don't understand. I don't understand when people say, oh, you can't win in small markets in the NBA. That's BS. That, I mean, that's, that's complete BS. If you want to do something, how about we do this? Look at all the big markets in the NBA. New York Knicks, complete dysfunction. You kidding me? The New York, come on. The Atlanta Hawks. How many more years are they, are they going to miss the playoffs? The Los Angeles Lakers. Until LeBron arrived on the scene, on the scene, did you guys forget that the Lakers were like the laughing stock? They were the last. They were they were a laughing stock. They were. They, I mean, the Lakers five years ago, five five years ago, the Lakers were garbage, hot garbage. Hell, three years ago, hot garbage. The Lakers were hot garbage. The Clippers. Until the CP3 era, the Clippers weren't relevant. Chicago, the Chicago Bulls. Boy, oh boy. They, they, they can't get it right. The Washington Wizards, they can't get it right. So when we're talking about these big markets in the NBA, and you can't win in small markets, BS. That's BS. You can win. You can are you seeing these small markets? These small market teams, they're 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 ran better. Small markets are often ran well in the NBA. I don't understand it. I I, I can't. I don't understand it. They are they are they are well ran in the NBA. When it comes to the small market teams, the Nuggets, the Spurs, the Bucks, the Raptors, they have some of the best front offices. <laughs> Sam Presti, he's one of the he's one of the best GMs in the league. Masai Ujiri, he's one of the best in the league. The Lakers, the Lakers have a bad front office. If you ask me, who has a better front who has a better front office today, the Lakers or the Toronto Raptors? The Toronto Raptors have a better front office. <laughs> The, the, the Toronto Raptors have a better front office. The Milwaukee Bucks have a better front office. The San Antonio Spurs have a better front office. The Oklahoma City Thunder has a better front office. The Denver Nuggets have a better front office. The Lakers front office? How good is Bob Palenka? I don't know. I don't know. And I'm a Lakers supporter. I'm big on the Lakers. I'm huge on the Lakers. You guys know this. I'm huge on the Lakers. We talk about we talk a lot about the Lakers on this podcast. But do they have a good front office? I don't I don't think so. I think it's uh, I think a lot of their sets is predicated off of LeBron, Frank Frank Vogel, Anthony Davis. But you look at that team, it's a bunch of guys. Have you seen the Knicks? Have you seen the Chicago Bulls? Have you seen the Atlanta Hawks? The like the big markets aren't are are not winning. Are not winning. And people say, oh, the lottery's rigged. The lottery is rigged. The lottery is rigged. Okay. If you think the lottery is rigged, if you think the NBA draft lottery is rigged, why would why would the Pelicans get the number one pick? You do you think if the if you if you think the NBA is rigged or if you think the lottery is rigged for some type of reason I don't know why would if 
Why would the NBA want Zion to go to New Orleans in a football city? That's a football city. New Orleans is a football city. Why in the hell would the NBA want to send Zion to New Orleans? Or, or, or okay, get this. Why would they want to send John Morant to Memphis? If, if, if the NBA lottery is rigged, if, it, if, if it's rigged like you guys say it is, like some of you guys, if you say it's rigged, then why, 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 it, why, why did John Morant go to Memphis? Why did the Pelicans get the number one pick? Why did the Memphis get the number two pick? If it was rigged, don't you think the Knicks would have got Zion? <laughs> if it was rigged, don't you don't you think the Knicks would have got John Morant? And, he, and hell, even if the even if the Knicks did have number one pick, hell, they might have chosen somebody else other than Zion, because <laughs> that's just how dysfunctional the Knicks are. But when people say you can't win in small markets, BS. That's complete BS. Indiana, the Pacers for years were a really good team. The Pacers for years were a really good team. Seventy, you guys remember the seventy six when they were tanking? Philly, I mean, Philly, I mean, Philly can't get out the first round. 76 we can't get out the first round. They can't get out, they can't get out the first or second round. Uh, these narratives. When people throw out these narratives, you can't win in small markets in the NBA. Bull, B, BS. I was say boy. BS. BS. But I look at baseball. That's the that's the narrative for baseball. You can't win in small markets in baseball. Look at look at the last 10 World Series champions. It's a bunch of Yankees and Red Sox and, and Houston Astros. The Dodgers continue to get to the World Series. Uh, the, the Phillies, the Rangers. You have all these big markets getting to the World Series. The Kansas City Warriors is the one exception. <laughs> the Kansas City Warriors are the one exception. But all these big markets, the San Francisco Giants, the Dodgers, the Washington Nationals, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Astros, they continue to get to the World Series. <laughs> they continue to get to the World Series. And we have this one exception, the Kansas City Warriors. That narrative that you can't win in small markets, that's for baseball. For basketball, you can win in small markets. You can win in small markets. Toronto just did it last year. The Spurs did it for 20 years. The Oklahoma City, con Oklahoma City Thunder continue to do it. The Milwaukee Bucks, back-to-back -back years with 60 wins. Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron. The Utah Jazz. The Portland Trail Blazers. The Denver Nuggets. The Pacers. You can win in small markets. You can. You can. It's the big market teams that are not good. Clippers and Lakers. I mean, I mean, until, um, until the Clippers got CP3 and, like, before the Clippers got CP3, completely irrelevant. The Lakers, three years ago, hot garbage. The New York Knicks, hot garbage. <laughs> Atlanta Hawks, hot garbage. Washington Wizards, hot garbage. <laughs> You, I mean, this is a hot garbage. Chicago Bulls, hot garbage. <laughs> Detroit Pistons, the Detroit Pistons, are you kidding me? Hot garbage. <laughs> I mean, you, BS, you can't win in small markets. Get out of here. <laughs> so um, let's, let's talk about the Lakers. The Lakers had a 124-121 win against the Denver Nuggets. Um... They didn't. They didn't particularly need this game. They didn't need this win, but it, it was. It was a conf. I feel like it was more of a confidence booster for Kyle Kuzma with him hitting the game winning shot. But I still have my reservations about the Lakers, and I. I think they. They, they still have these red flags. Um. But uh, let's just talk about it a little bit. But I'm gonna let you. Like I'm gonna let you hear how excited Kevin Harlan was. Kevin Harlan is really good. I. I, I like him. I like him. He's on 2K. He's on NBA 2K. Uh, but Kevin Harlan, he does a great job with these NBA games. But it um, was it really? He's really good at this. He's really good at this. But just check it out. 
Lebron doing Brown. It's Diapuzano. Anthony Davis picked up by Ball. Here comes Kuzma for the win. Got it! Now 25 with the three. Okay, so you, you, you hear the excitement. You hear the excitement. Everybody's going crazy. Laker bench jumping up. You can't really see the video. But you can hit, You heard it. You heard the clip. Kevin Harlan's going crazy. Love it. Hit three. Big three from Kuzma. And LeBron said last night after the game. LeBron said, hey, Kyle Kuzma's going to need to be our third best player in order for us to win the title. In some nights, if LeBron is struggling or, or like he said, himself is struggling or Anthony Davis is struggling, Kyle Kuzma going to have to be the second best player on the, floor, on, on, on the team. Well, let's first talk about this. So last week, some people thought I was overreacting. Some people thought I was over-exaggerating. Kyle Kuzma is the most inconsistent Laker I've seen in the last 10 years. Uh, and I may I may be a bit exaggerating, but you get the point. Kyle Kuzma is very inconsistent. He's very inconsistent, and I've seen um I've seen this this inconsistency on uh, uh, multiple times throughout the season. So I'm not over exaggerating now. I might be over exaggerating about the ten years and so forth. Blah 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 blah. But I mean, hell, he might be the most he might be the most inconsistent Laker I've seen in the last ten years. He might be the most inconsistent Laker I've seen in the last 10 years. But the Lakers, even, and I talked about it, they had a great offensive night. Offensively, it was really good to see the Lakers clicking offensively. They got out the shooting slump because, though, I mean, the first, what, five games, the first six or five, the first five or six games in the bubble, the Lakers have struggled offensively. And their, I mean, their struggles offensively have been really bad. I talked about how they're last in offensive uh, rating. Off, they're, they're dead last in three-point percentage. They're dead last in field goal percentage. They're, they're, they're at the bottom at just about every offensive statistical category. They're, they're, they're dead last. Um, and last night, Denver shot 57% from three. They sh- So you can't make threes. And... Denver shot, you can't stop the three. That's a problem. That's a red flag. That's a red flag. And I know, you know, people are excited. Laker fans are excited. I was a bit excited too. And then I thought about like, well, no. Lakers still have red flags. They still have red flags. Um, I think I've been saying it. I, I've, been, I've been starting to say this. LeBron is the glue that is holding this thing up together. LeBron is the great improviser. LeBron is, I mean, he. this is why he is the MVP. This is why he's the MVP. Because I look at this roster from top to bottom, from Anthony Davis all the way to J.R. Smith and all the younger, like, and Quinn Cook. I, 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 LeBron is literally holding this roster together so they won't sink. Um, Anthony Davis, he was aggressive last night. Kyle Kuzma was aggressive. I, I like Kyle Kuzma's aggressiveness. Now, I talked about Anthony Davis, and, and it seems like I'm a bit critical on Kyle Kuzma. Let me let me lighten up a little bit. Anthony Davis, I talked about how Anthony Davis lacks that dog mentality. Like he lacks that mentality, that that like that killer. Well, Kyle Kuzma, it, it, it's not that he he's just very inconsistent from my liking. He's very inconsistent. But Kyle Kuzma has that dog mentality. Kyle Kuzma has that mentality to close a game. He don't. Ha- he obviously is not as skilled and not as talented as Anthony Davis, but he has that mentality, that dog that I think Anthony Davis is missing, and I think a lot of you guys would actually agree with that. Kyle Kuzma has that dog in him, but inconsistent. That's the problem. Inconsistency. He, that's been a problem. And his defense. But I must say, Kyle Kuzma's defense in the NBA bubble has been pretty good. He, it's been solid. He's given a lot of effort. It's been solid. But this team still has a lot of, they still have a lot of problems. They still have red flags. Like, that fourth quarter, it shouldn't have been that. I mean, if you want to be honest, if you want to be, if you want to be honest, 
the fourth quarter between the Nuggets last night, Nuggets team, shouldn't have been that close. The Lakers should have won this game by more than three points. Not, like, the, the, the Nuggets, Mike, Michael Malone, he sat uh, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. He sat his starters in, in the fourth quarter. Denver's bench, Denver's second and third unit played the entire fourth quarter. They played the entire fourth quarter, and the Lakers couldn't stop them. That, that's an issue. That's an issue, and that's a sign. The Lakers could not stop the Denver Nuggets' second and third unit. Couldn't stop it. And LeBron played the entire fourth quarter, and it was good. It was, it was really good to see Anthony Davis be aggressive in the fourth quarter. Um, LeBron had he, LeBron had his shot going. Kyle Kuz, it was a great night offensively for the Lakers as a whole, but defensively they still have red flags. And I'm not gonna I'm not you shouldn't get giddy after one good offensive performance. Got to continue to do it and got to continue to do it going into the playoffs. But I must say, if Kyle Kuzma, if Kyle Kuzma's gonna play like that every night in the playoffs. The Lakers can win a title. The Lakers can win a title, and they can beat the Clippers. If he if if he plays like that, if he plays like that every every night, if he can give the Lakers eighteen to nineteen to twenty points, along with Anthony Davis twenty eight to thirty and LeBron's twenty five to twenty eight points, oh, they can win a title. They can win a title. I'm not saying the Lakers aren't championship quality. I think they're still a championship team. I think they can win a title. But can Kyle Kuzma be consistent? Can he be this consistent? Can he can he drop 22 every night? Can he drop 20 every night? He don't need to drop 25 every night. Because AD is going to get you 30. AD should get you 28 to 30. LeBron should get you 25 to 28, maybe 30 some nights. Then Kyle Kuzma chip in with his 18 or 19. That's that's a, that's a, that's damn near 70, about 70 points. If 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 that if the, if those three can do that, Kyle Kuzma, if Kyle Kuzma can do that, if he can be the third best player on the team, like LeBron says, so they can win a title. I'm never doubting that, and I, and I hope you guys you, you know take that. I'm not doubting they can't win a title, but Kyle Kuzma, I just know he's very inconsistent. Inconsistent consistency has been his problem. I, I I just know he's very inconsistent. It's like every third or fourth game, you know, he he just doesn't have it. He, he he just he just can't he just can't buy a bucket. He can't put a bucket on layaway. Some nights Kyle Kuzma can't put a bucket on layaway, and then some nights he he I mean he he looks like the second coming. Of, of Lord knows what. I mean, I, I mean, he played great last night. The Lakers played good last night offensively. Defensively, got to fix that. They got to fix that defense. They got to fix it. Must fix it. Um. So the big, so big ten presidents came out breaking news. This is breaking news. Big ten presidents. Uh, they came out and they they're they're now uh, postponing college football season. They're hopeful for a spring season. Um, and, and, and like I said, at the top of the, the top of the episode, um, this is all very confusing to me. I, I mean, I, this is very confusing because you got airplanes that are that are packed, airport is packed. You have restaurants all across the country from different state to state to state, um, open indoor and outdoor, but. And also, you have 13 Big Ten schools allowing kids to stay on campus. They don't have doctors around them, but all of a sudden, like, hey, no, student-athletes can't play. It's, it's, it's very confusing. You, like, you can go to a restaurant and eat without a mask. Like, you can have no mask and go to a restaurant and eat, but... You can't go to an outdoor event. You like you can't go to a Nationals game, which is outside, and you have a mask on. It, it's 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 very confusing, and, and that's why I say college football lacks 
representation. It lacks leadership. There's no president. There's no CEO. There's no, there's no commissioner. There's no voice for college football. There's no voice. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. There's, there's absolutely no voice. So I find this all a bit confusing because we nitpick at little things. Like we have parents like really pushing for their kids to go back to middle school and elementary school. And we have parents pushing for elementary school. But then we're like, well, no, we got to postpone college football. Airplanes are packed and full to capacity. But we got to push back on college football. Restaurants, state to state to state, city to city, indoor, outdoor. You got people in restaurants, no mask, no mask, indoor with food. But you can't go to a Nationals game? Uh, and you're outside with a mask? Uh, bit confusing. It's a bit confusing, but breaking news. The Big Ten presidents, Big Ten presidents, presidents all across the Big Ten, um, they have decided to postpone the college football season. This is breaking news. They've decided to postpone college football season, obviously due to concerns related to coronavirus, COVID-19. Um, and at the top of the episode, like I said, I've been breaking it down. I gave you guys my scoop and my piece. I'm also doing so right now. I just find it a bit confusing, though. Uh, you know, that's what I said. Like, there's so many different agendas. Now you got presidents all across schools. There's lawyers involved because there could be possible lawsuits. It's a lot of money involved, obviously. But that's where a leader comes into play. That's where a leader comes into play. That's why I, I question college football and the leadership. It's like, how you how are you raking in all of these dollars? You, I mean, you, you, you I mean, you're bringing in all all of this money, all of this revenue, all of this money, and you, you can't take the time to pay a president or a group of people or a commissioner or a leadership like some form of it. College football doesn't have it. Doesn't they don't have it? That's a big. I think I think that's a big problem because I can argue. If they had leadership, if they had a commissioner, if they had a CEO or president of such of college football, it, it wouldn't be such a crisis and it wouldn't be so confusing to figure out what to do. I think there will be protocols and structure in place, but college football is so dysfunctional. You, you see why now? You see why it's so dysfunctional. It seems like safety um, and liability. It don't just seem like all safety. If you're, if you're like, and that's what I'm saying. That's what I said at the top of my, at the top of my show. Safety. If you're saying it's, it's all about safety and it's predicated off of safety, then why, 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 why 13 Big Ten schools allowing students to back on their campus? Why? Why? And then you, and then the, the argument is like, oh, well, the football players are. They're banging up against each other. They're, they're making physical contact. Um, in college, what the hell do you think the students are going to do? What I mean, like, what do you think the college students are going to do around campus? Like, you think they're not going to intervene with each other? You, you think that no, no parties on campus, no social gatherings? It's gonna you you, you think nothing's going to happen along those lines? And in the in the in these schools are letting in they're letting in students with no testing, no testing at all. But you have college you have these college these college athletes the student athletes they 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 can they can potentially get tested three times a week or at Alabama they can get tested every 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 damn day they can get tested every day. So I, I, you know, if you know, it seems like lawyers are. Um, that's why I said it, it's school presidents, athletic directors, and lawyers. <laughs> and but like I said, there's no, it's no, there's nobody that oversees college football. There's no leadership, no leadership. But I told you guys at the top. I told you guys at the top of the show or the top of the episode. There's presidents, school presidents. You have your athletic directors, 
and lawyers because there's liability into play because these are amateurs, quote unquote. These are amateurs and there's liability at play. And, and people are arguing, well, it's safety matters. We should be taking safety precautionary measures. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that because you have 13 Big Ten schools that are, that are allowing students to come back on campus. I don't know if I'm right. I mean, am I right or wrong? <laughs> I mean, I've seen, I've actually seen medical doctors. I've heard and I've read articles on medical doctors that said, that's, that, I mean, they're saying today, College football is fine. They should, they should play football. Just get tested on a daily basis. You know, protocol, social distance, keep a mask. There's, I mean, and they, these, these are people that actually went to school for doctor and medicine. Like, that, that matters. That should matter, right? We're in, the health, we're in a health pandemic. Nobody is listening to the, to the epidemiologists. Nobody is listening to the doctors. Nobody is mi- listening to people with medical... Um, Accomplishments or something like nobody, nobody's listening to them. Nobody's nobody's listening to them. Nobody. But it seems like a safety and liability. And like I said, there seems like there's lawyers in play, athletic directors, presidents. And it seems you know, it, you know, if you try to argue safety, uh, really, come on. There you have schools allowing students back onto campus. If it was really about safety, students wouldn't be allowed back on campus. If it was really about safety, it was, but it seems like it's liability too. Student athletes, liability, lawyers in play, lawsuits could happen. Come on, we 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 know this thing. Come on. Um, but yeah, that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna that's I guess that's gonna wrap us up to here um today, guys. You know, college football, the Big Ten at least, the Big Ten has you know postponed their season. I would I would I would like to, I would like to wonder um maybe the NFL. Um, you know, the NFL season is coming up. It's, it's approaching us. Maybe the NFL can move some of their games to Saturday, actually, because the NFL comes on, what, Monday, Thursday, Sunday. Um, maybe they can move some of their games because I know, like, doing the 1 o'clock games on Sunday, it's, 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 it's practically impossible to watch all of them. I mean, I, I usually have the NFL Sunday ticket, but there's usually... um. There's usually like a bunch of one o'clock games on. Maybe, maybe the NFL should shift those one o'clock games to, to to maybe they should shift those one o'clock games to Saturday, and that will free up that one o'clock block on on Sunday because there's so many games on on Sunday at one o'clock. Maybe with you know with no college football, it seems like that's where that's where we're heading. Um, maybe the NFL should probably look into doing that. That would that would be pretty good. So Monday, Monday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. It's not that. That's pretty good um, for the NFL. Big Ten. I, I feel bad for the, somebody. I feel bad for these players um, because the. I mean, these could be life changing moments. I actually think about Joe Burrow. Think about Joe Burrow. If if if, if, if like like if this would have happened last year. Joe Burrow wouldn't have, he wouldn't have went number one. He he wouldn't have went to Cincinnati. He wouldn't have had the breakout season at LSU. I mean, like that we could ha- we could possibly have a story like that this year, but we wouldn't we wouldn't know it because of you know of the postpone the cancellations of the of the college football season. But I think of stories like Joe Burrow where a lot of guys like. You have about probably 10 to 12 guys that are like first rounders, guaranteed, lock. Like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, um, the running back out of um, Oklahoma State, he's pretty good. Uh, Jamar Chase from LSU, he's really good. He's probably the best receiver in the draft, but uh, or coming into the draft this year. But a lot of, like the rest of the first round, Guys gotta play their like they gotta play themselves into the first round. They gotta they gotta get more film onto the first round. You got fourth and fifth year seniors trying to get drafted and um, elevating their draft stock. It's it, it's it, I feel bad for the players. I really do. I really feel bad for the players. But I mean, this is what COVID nineteen has done. Um, it, this is what it's done to the country. But uh, you know, we gotta you gotta keep going, keep going, keep pushing. 
Uh, continue to spread the podcast. This has been a really good podcast, really great episode, a lot of insight. If you did not know, we got a lot of insight in today's podcast. Now it's a helicopter going over the city. Okay, okay. Um, but, um, yeah, this helicopter is irritating. But um, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the IKP Isaiah Kid Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Kid. I'm out. This is episode 144. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Continue to spread the love. We're doing so good with the clicks. We're clicking, we're clicking, we're clicking, we're clicking, we're clicking. We're going up, we're going up. Thank you guys for um, keep on tuning in. Keep on coming back for another episode. Um, we have done a really good job. I catch you guys later in the week. NBA playoffs right around the corner. Baseball looking good. Football season, NFL season coming up. Hopefully, college football not looking too good. But I let you guys go. Always remember two choices, one decision. I'm out. Deuces. Boom. Oof.